Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Hard Count Football Podcast Live. My name is Jacob Charno, leading the next generation of football fans live on YouTube and Twitch with Chris Landry Football. Today, we have a very special show. We have two guests. Starting off the show soon, we will have Joshua Cole Allen of The Audible. And later in the show, we will have Sky Guasco of the Candlestick Kids Podcast. We have a packed show as always today. So let's get right into it right away. Let's get our first guest on the show. He hosts the Audible. Please welcome Joshua Cole Allen. Joshua, what is up? How are you doing? What's going on, Jacob? How you doing, my man? I'm good. I'm good. So you mainly cover the Buccaneers, who are probably the biggest question mark in the entire NFL right now. Between Brady, Gronk, and that defense, there is a whole lot that we are going to need to figure out this season. Training camp has started. What are some of the top stories that you're hearing out of Bucks training camp so far? There's been a plethora of stories. Obviously, you know, if you turn on ESPN or NFL Network, good luck finding a day without them talking about Tampa Bay. But um, starting with the quarterback, Tom Brady looks good, looks sharp as ever. Um, his, his release is the same, uh, same quickness. His arm strength looks like it's actually increased from the last couple of years in New England, uh, at least watching him out there on Tuesday's uh, training camp myself. Um, the running game, that's something that's going to be it's something to watch. Uh, Rojo came back. Uh, after working out all offseason in Arizona, he looks like he's going to be the guy. Bruce Arians said that. He looks good with his first step, his quickness, his breaks to the outside. Um, wide receivers, uh, they've surprisingly gotten on the same page with Tom Brady uh, as quick as they have. Uh, Tom Brady's one of the guys where it's always been kind of an enigma with wide receivers, especially when they drafted a rookie and brought young guys in because it took so long for them to get on the same page. But I think a lot of that has to do with Tom Brady's learning a new offense and some of these guys have already been in this offense so they know the offense so it's kind of easier to, for them to get on the same page but uh, Scotty Miller is a guy that's really been showing up and it looks like that he's going to be one of Tom Brady's favorite targets so if you play fantasy you know late round sleeper flyer there for you and then the defense the defense looks strong as ever I mean they brought back the entire uh, front seven they added Antoine Winfield to that secondary, uh, which took huge leaps and bounds last year. Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean finished in the top in the league and passed deflected. You bring a guy in like Antoine Winfield who can kind of do it all. He's like Buddha Baker or Tyran Matthew kind of light. And uh, I think it just improves that defense. It puts them in a better position to succeed. And I think this team really is well-rounded on all sides of the ball except for kicking, which is one of the biggest stories in Buccaneers because everyone has looked so good kicking has been really shining through as kind of a weak spot. They just brought in Ryan Suckup for a tryout. They're bringing in Cody Parkey for a tryout. Uh, they have Elliot Fry and incumbent Matt Gay there. So that's the biggest training camp battle to watch is what's going to happen with this kicking unit. And uh, it'll be interesting to see. Oh yeah. I mean, I've said, I mean, I know that Cody Parkey is uh, coming in for a tryout with the Buccaneers. I know he's going to be, um, working out there. Uh, I, I mean, like I've said, I've said it a ton of times. I think Tom Brady's going to come into this year. I think he has the potential kind of, kind of to have a Kirk Cousins effect where all the weapons around him make him look a lot better than he actually is. But that's not saying that he's not going to be good. I think he could have well over 4,000 yards uh, passing this year. And I think that he could definitely 
put the Buccaneers in the playoffs for the first time in I don't even know how long. So one of the one of the top players on the Bucks defense right now, Levante David, seems to have opened up contract extension talks with the Bucks. He's currently in the last year of his contract. Do you see the Bucks resigning David? And how much would you expect the Bucks to actually pay him? I mean, in the perfect world, the Buccaneers would resign him. Uh, I do realize they drafted Devin White kind of as that young next stud to be the the leader of that linebacking core. But Levante David's given you so much. Um, he's missed the playoffs every year he's been in the league, and you know he's been the most underrated linebacker by far. It's not even a conversation. His stats match up next to Bobby Wagner and Luke Keekley and some of the top producing linebackers to play the last seven years. Uh, so to, to see the level of disrespect is, is kind of mind-boggling. But I would love for them to resign them. The problem is, and we talked about this the other day, um, is there's so many key guys that are coming up on contract uh, negotiations. It's going to be Shaq Barrett, Levante David, Don Sue, Rob Gronkowski, Chris Godwin. Uh, then you have important decisions to make with a guy like Donovan Smith. Um, there, there's so many different areas where you have, you look at this team and look at this roster and say, like, okay, where can we put this money into? And it comes down into exactly that. Where do you want to keep the money? Do you want to pay a 30-year-old linebacker? I believe you reported it on the show that you heard somewhere around $17 million a year. Or maybe it was Nick Sutra, but they were talking about maybe $17 million a year. That's a lot of money for a 30-year-old linebacker. And while I would love to keep Levante David, you do have Devin White last year. He took over, you know, a majority of the play calling. He looks to be, you know, even Levante David himself said he stepped up and he's been more of a vocal leader. Uh, he knows the system now. It's the second season. He's playing faster. He's playing uh, with more understanding of the scheme and concept. So he'll be able to make more plays. So, um I obviously think that Shaq Barrett is someone you resign. Pass rushers don't grow on trees. He's only, I believe he's only 28 years old. Uh, so you hold on to that guy for sure. Uh, he doesn't, and he doesn't necessarily have to replicate his season of last year at 19 and a half sacks. But if he gets 11 sacks, 12 sacks, and you see the production level of everyone else increase at the same time, JPP gets more sacks, Vita Bay, Sue, Ghost and White, down the line, you see more impact from that then that's something I would definitely, um, you know, play into consideration with his position. But uh, I would love to sign Levante. I think 17, 17 million, the rumored number out there is way too rich. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Joshua, you mentioned to me that you had lived in New England for 32 years before moving to Tampa to cover the Bucks, mm -hmm. And you said that you are a Patriots fan. Do you expect Cam Newton to be like old MVP Cam from 2015? Or do you think he's going to struggle with Belichick's system and his injuries might catch up to him? I mean, it, it's a difficult scenario and situation to predict in general. Uh, first of all, Belichick and, and um, Josh Montano's never had a quarterback like this. Uh, so it's a different – it's going out of the comfortability realm where, okay, now you've got a guy who can run. Now you got you can do option plays. You can do all sorts of rollouts, bootlegs. Uh, it, it opens up the playbook more for them. Um, Cam Newton's a very smart individual. I have no doubt that he's going to be able to get the playbook down, but you said it yourself, injuries. Can he be that guy? Uh, we all we, we know as well that Bill Belichick is the guy that tends to get the most out of veterans as they're going, you know, aging and on their fat kind of final leg of their career. Uh, so maybe they can bring that out of them. It's going to be an interesting season. They really didn't do much to upgrade their, their wide receiver core. They really didn't do much to upgrade their tight end core. They drafted a couple guys in the draft, but, I mean, they're rookies. So without with this whole offseason – or lack thereof, rather, it, there's huge question marks. They're obviously bringing back the same guys um, in the running back field, but Sony Michelle's injured. They lost Brandon Bolden to an opt-out. They lost their starting right tackle to an opt-out. They lost their starting middle linebacker to an opt-out. They lost their starting safety to an opt-out. So you see how these opt-outs start to pile up, and then if, these, if injuries pile up on top of that, uh, it's going to be difficult for this New England team to be anything of what you know people are used to. Uh, Cam, I think, will be fine. I'm a big proponent of Jared Stidham as well, so I think that uh, if Cam does struggle at all, Jared will be able to hop in. He's been dealing with an injury for a little bit, but I'm not worried about his able to transition. It's more the injuries, as you said, that kind of make me a little nervous. So, like you said, Jared Stidham, what would you think about maybe a quarterback platoon? I mean, I know Bill Belichick had mentioned it. What would you think about a quarterback platoon in New England with Cam Newton and Jarrett Stidham and seeing more than one quarterback playing on that New England offense? I think you can't do that past week two, week three tops. I think you, if you want to cycle them in half and a half, 
something like that, a quarter, 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 back and forth. Uh, you need to know who your starter and who your leader is by week two, week three. I, I don't think it's a good idea. It, it'd be different if there were preseason games because you could do that. You could say, all right, Cam, you're going to start week one. You're going to, you know, Jared, you're going to start week three. Cam starts week one and two. Jared starts week three with the starters, you know, because that's when they typically play the most the most amount of football. You get Jared comfortable in there. You kind of know what Cam can do as a professional. You don't know what Jared, so you give him that third game, and then Brian Hoyer starts the fourth game so no one gets injured. Um, but without that, it's going to be difficult. I mean, right now, Stidham's dealing with an injury, so he looks like he's sidelined. They may start Brian Hoyer week one. I mean, it, it, everything's up in the air. If Cam doesn't have enough of a grasp or feel good enough in the offense, and let's face it, you know, Cam's not going to say that, but Belichick is one of the best evaluators in the game. If he sees that Cam's not ready, Jared's still injured, he might go with Brian Hoyer week one. It's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out, especially because we're about a week away, week and a half away. Oh, yeah, it's very exciting. Very exciting. We need football right now. Yes. Absolutely. Joshua, thank you so much for joining me today. Go ahead, promote yourself. Tell us where we can find you. Yeah, so I'm on Bucks Report. I'm on Twitter, at Joshua underscore C underscore Allen. Uh, make sure you follow me there. Uh, if you're a Bucks fan, I tweet out Bucks stuff all day long. Um, and then I have a show every Wednesday, 730. It's called The Audible. Uh, I bring on get local media guests. It's mostly Bucks talks. We, we do have a, a halftime show. Last week I had a fantasy guy on, so he gives some great insight. And then I'll, I usually have a former player or somewhere in, you know, someone that's been on the field. Last week I had Dean Blandino. Thank you very much, Jacob. Absolutely. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, so it, it's it's a great show, 739. I do weekly giveaways. Make sure you check that out, Bucks Report. Uh, on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, wherever you guys, we stream on all of them. So, and Chris Landry. So, um, Jacob, thanks for having me on. I call this kid the prodigy. He's amazing. <laughs> his smarts, his everything that he's got going on. Big thanks for this kid. Make sure you hop on now before he blows up and you see him on that ESPN. Thank you. Thank you. All right. See you, Josh. see you, Josh. All right. So we are less than two weeks away from football with practices in full swing and with teams starting to scrimmage. There will be some injuries, and it feels like this year more than ever, there have been a ton of injuries, unfortunately. One of the most unfortunate injuries is that of Chicago Bears running back David Montgomery. Montgomery was ready to go into his second year and prove himself. On Wednesday, he went down holding his left leg and appeared to be in a lot of pain, but it was a non-contact injury. He ended up being carted back to the locker room. It was then reported that it was a groin strain. So that's much better than a tear or anything, obviously. Last year, he had 889 rushing yards and six touchdowns. But, I mean, I remember talking about him last year, especially when it comes to fantasy, that a lot more was expected out of him. That was very disappointing. He was one of my sleeper guys last year. Um, I really believed him. This year, he was set to get most of the workload and be a reliable fantasy option as well. Hopefully, he can bounce back and be ready for week one, if not as soon as possible. But we don't really know the severity of the injury yet. If the unfortunate scenario of David Montgomery not being 100% for the season happens, then I have come up with a solution for the Chicago Bears. They might want to give uh, a call over to, you know, Dave Caldwell over in Jacksonville about Leonard Fournette. Because, you know, last year he had over 1,100 rushing yards, and while he only had three touchdowns, I think that he is set up for a big year this year. I really like Leonard Fournette, and I don't know why. I, I know the Jaguars are trying to push him out, and they are looking for a trade because they are in a complete rebuild. We will talk about one of those big moves in a little bit. But, you know, the Bears have an above-average offensive line, and Fournette hits the hole hard and can fill a similar role to what David Montgomery would do. The Bears still feel like they are in a win-now mode. They feel like they can go out and they can make a deep run into the playoffs and win a Super Bowl, which, you know, I feel like they need to figure out the situation at quarterback before they do that. But, you know, only in the case that David Montgomery is out for a long period of time, which hopefully isn't the case, then I think Leonard Fournette could be a good option for them. I mean, he's in the last year of his contract. You probably don't have to trade much for him, maybe a fourth rounder if Jacksonville's really trying to push them out the door. But I know that Dave Caldwell really likes hearing the best possible offer for him. You know, plus he's in the last year of his contract. So you really only have to rent him for a year. And then, I mean, it's just something to think about for the Bears in, a, in the case of a lengthy injury for David Montgomery. The New York Giants were also extremely hard with injuries recently. Rookie safety Xavier McKinney, the second round pick out of Alabama, suffered a fracture to his left foot uh, and needed to go. He needed to undergo surgery this week. 
Linebacker David Mayo tore his meniscus and also needs surgery as well. I don't think David Mayo is out. I heard it wasn't as severe of an injury as we had first thought, so that's very good. But Xavier McKinney, uh, we don't know how long he'll be out for. Both of these players were going to be big pieces for this Giants defense, and now it is unknown how long they'll be out. I think David Mayo, uh, I've heard something like three weeks, if it really, if everything heals properly. This is going to hurt the Giants a lot more than a lot of people think it will. Since the Giants secondary already wasn't very good, and I, especially after losing DeAndre Baker with all that craziness that happened, Xavier McKinney was my top-rated safety in this year's draft, and I think that he would have been very, very good uh, if he got to play this year. David Mayo was supposed to start next to Blake Martinez, and now they have a huge hole at linebacker if he doesn't come back in time, which can really mess up a team. That's a lot of missed tackles, and it hurts the defense a lot more than people think. I want to take the Giants out of my list of sleeper teams purely because of this situation on defense. Previously, you know, I had said a lot about the Giants. I am a big believer in this offense. I think Daniel Jones, obviously, he put on a ton of muscle this offseason. And Saquon's coming back. I really like Saquon. They added Andrew Thomas at that left tackle spot, which is probably the most important spot at the football field next to quarterback. I think that the offensive line, good offensive lines win championships. You don't see a lot of bad offensive lines win championships unless you're Russell Wilson. I'll still take Saquon to finish as my RB1 this year. But this defense is probably going to be disastrous, especially against loaded offenses like the Cowboys and Eagles in the NFC East. New York Jets running back Le'Veon Bell doesn't seem thrilled with head coach Adam Gase. But honestly, who is ever happy with Adam Gase? Uh, it's been awful since he's been in New York. Gase told reporters that he pulled Le'Veon from practice on Wednesday because of a tight hamstring. Bell then tweeted, ain't nothing wrong with my hamstrings. So clearly, Lev uh, was not happy about being pulled from practice. You know, Gaze told reporters that Le'Veon is not a player who likes exiting practice and usually needs to be forced out. According to a friend of the show and previous guest, my first ever guest on the Hard Count Football Podcast and the Hard Count Football Podcast Live, Brian Costello, apparently it was precautious. And as I, as much as I criticize Adam Gase, I don't blame him for pulling Bell out purely because of all the injuries that have happened at Jets training camp so far. I mean, Brashad Perryman, Denzel Mims, and Vincent Smith, all guys on the offense that got injured. We don't know how long they're going to be out. You can't have your star running back getting getting injured in practice. I don't blame him. You know, the Jets can't afford any more injuries. We're two weeks away from week one of the Jets opening up uh, against the Bills, and there can't be any risks taken. I understand, you know, Bell is heated, but he has to see where the team was coming from here. Plus, I'm sure they wanted to get a look at uh, Frank Gore. I mean, I feel like we've seen enough of Frank Gore already to know that he's very good. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure Frank Gore is going to be getting a lot of touches on this Jets offense, especially in the red zone like we saw him last year in Buffalo. And and their rookie, I mean, Michael Pirine, who stood out on Wednesday when Bell was, pull, when Bell was pulled, he had a 79-yard rushing touchdown against the first-team Jets defense. And we know that Jets defense has potential to be very good, even without Jamal Adams. We know they, were, they finished second against the run last year. So good for him. I think that uh, the Jets might look to trade Le'Veon either, if not this year, maybe after this year. Um, so Michael Pirine, he's very good out of Florida, could be the running back of the future for the Jets. You know, if they can get, I mean, Joe Douglas has showed he can get a lot for his players. I mean, look at the Jamal trade. They pretty much got an arm and a leg for him. I, I would I would be okay with trading Lev uh, unless he has some crazy year like he did in, in earlier in his career. I'm okay with trading Lev, keep LeMichael Pirine, keep Frank Gore for a year, whatever. The Jets, as much as I hate to say it, they are in a rebuild mode. They're clearly not going after any big names. They're they're trying to maybe get a high draft pick. I don't know. It doesn't feel like they're trying to win now. There's also financial restraints with Joe Douglas uh, after after the uh, Khalil signing didn't work. It was one year, 8.4. I've heard that, you know ownership has kind of put a restraint on Douglas spending, which I'm not a fan of. I think you should let the GM do what he wants uh, if you really want to trust and put faith in your team. Chris Johnson, Woody Johnson, both of them, they're not football guys. They're not. They haven't shown that they know how to run a football team. So I would let Joe Douglas do a show that he knows how to put together a Super Bowl winning team like he did in Philadelphia. On last week's show, we talked about Earl Thomas being released by the Ravens, and I gave my three options for teams that should be interested in picking him up. Those teams were the Texans, who said they didn't want him, the Niners, who quickly shut that down, and the Cowboys, who refused to say that they weren't interested. And, you know, I said the Cowboys were the most likely option and probably the team that needs him the most as well. Another team that I said that, I mean, now that that should maybe be interested is the Cleveland Browns. I mean, they just lost their their safety, Grant Delpit, uh, 
he was they just drafted him this year. He was a rookie. I don't think the Giants should necessarily go after him, even though they lost their safety, uh, Xavier McKinney, purely because I don't think he'll fit well with that team. Everything I've heard about Earl Thomas is that he isn't the best teammate. I mean, if if the problem follows you everywhere you go, especially in cultures like Seattle and Baltimore, you, you kind of have to point the finger at Earl Thomas on this one. Uh, however, I'm not really surprised the Cowboys didn't shut down any rumors, and it's purely it's it's because they are interested. And if I were to guess, they're probably going to take a shot at him. As I said last week, they should. This is because even though he hasn't really proven to be the best teammate, the Cowboys need safety help, and I think that if any, he said he said multiple times that he wants to end up in Dallas, and this could be his chance for Earl Thomas. This was a story that, you know, I see people commenting about, and it came out this morning, 6.30 a.m., Adam Schefter, go to sleep already, come on, man. Defensive end Yannick Ngakwe was finally traded out of Jacksonville to the Minnesota Vikings for a 2021 second-round pick and a conditional fifth-round pick in 2022 that could turn into a fourth if he becomes a first-team all-pro uh, bowler, and then a third if the Vikings win the Super Bowl, so it'll turn into a fourth. Um this was kind of surprising to me since the Vikings weren't a team that necessarily were uh, people were talking about to really sign him. And I really don't think it would have happened if we hadn't seen uh, Daniel Hunter go down and miss 10 straight practices. Um, the Vikings are in cap hell, so I don't really know. And they're going to need to restructure his contact, his contract because he's currently being paid $17 million under the franchise tag. So the Vikings do need to pick that up unless they somehow restructure it to get it down to 12 or $13 million. But the more you think about it, the more it makes sense. You know, Minnesota feels in their organization like they are just a few short pieces away from competing for a Super Bowl. I mean, last year they took down the Saints and then they ended up getting destroyed by the uh, by the Niners. But we don't talk about that. It's fine. But, you know, they lost Everson Griffin. Everson Griffin, he was there for 10 years. He was a very good edge rusher. He came off the edge and he paired well with Daniel Hunter. And I think that uh, they're just really trying to fill the hole right now that Everson Griffin left. And if you're going to fill it with anybody, fill it with Yannick Ngakwe. I mean, he's easily one of the best pass rushers in the entire NFL next to Miles Garrett. You know, this was very smart for the Vikings. I'm sure Yannick will be more than happy in Minnesota if they utilize him in a similar way that the Vikings used Everson Griffin last year. This is the Hard Count Football Podcast Live. My name is Jacob Charno, leading the next generation of football fans live on YouTube and Twitch with Chris Landry Football. Please help spread the word as you can catch this show on the Chris Landry Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash chrislandryfootball. And you can listen to this podcast on your mobile device by signing up for Landry Football's conference call wherever you get your podcasts. You can also watch this show on chrislandryfootball.com where all this information is there for you. Now, I'm excited to bring on my second guest for today. He is one host of the Candlestick, Kid po- the Candlestick Kids podcast. He's here to talk fantasy. Please welcome Sky Guasco. Sky, how are you doing? What's up? Good morning, brother. How are you? Nice to be on. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. So, Sky, your specialty, fantasy football. You know, it's absolutely going to be a lot different this year because, you know, a lot of non-football injuries might happen. We know we don't know who might have to sit out due to COVID. We don't really know what's going to happen. Are there any different strategies you would use when drafting this year that would be different from any other years? Absolutely. So there's a couple different ways I go about this. So if I'm in the commissioner of a league, I'm adding extra IR spots. What's nice that I've been seeing in extra leagues this year is that uh, Sleeper, ESPN, Yahoo, other places are adding multiple IR spots. So instead of just one, maybe I'm using three in most of my leagues. I'm also opening those up to players who might have contracted COVID or out because of COVID. Also, of course, due to injury, holdouts, anything else, because it's such a nasty season this year. You have to have that opportunity to give people more space. So that's number one if I'm a commissioner. If I'm a player, then I want to make sure I'm using extra handcuffs, backups, and depth on my roster. Everybody knows about running back handcuffs, but also consider wide receivers, backup quarterbacks, and extra tight end or two, just in case, again, people could wake up Sunday morning and say they're sick or they're not going to play. We could find out Saturday, last minute, waivers don't cross. All of a sudden, you're out a few players. So depth, handcuff, and backups, absolutely. And number three would be ready-to-stream positions, primarily quarterback and tight end, of course, But again, we don't know what's going to happen this year. So I'm not over drafting players because of this, but I am preparing just in case. I think it's important that everybody's ready for it. 
Yeah, I agree. I'm going to text my commissioner as soon as this ends to definitely add extra IR spots. That's a great idea. So another topic a lot of people disagree on, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, the rookie from LSU, now on Kansas City. Right now, he's going in the first round in some drafts. Are you comfortable taking Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the first round, or do you not trust a rookie to have first-round fantasy production? You know, this particular year, this particular player, I do trust him. I have him uh, running back seven right now. I have him eighth overall. Overall, I have Michael Thomas right over him, but as far as running backs go, I have him in my top seven. Over the last seven years, running backs who have been drafted in the first round have averaged 280 touches in one year. 75% of those running backs have finished RB2 or better. Andy Reid said earlier this year when they were drafting him that CEH is already, quote, better than Brian Westbrook. And for the OGs who have been playing fantasy football for 20 years, Brian Westbrook is absolutely a fantasy football Hall of Famer, right, out of the passing game and the running game for the Eagles primarily over his career. So fantastic comp there, of course. No Damian Williams. Damian Williams, who in my opinion should have won the Super Bowl MVP, he ends up opting out due to COVID-19. So he is gone. So CEH basically has the run of the shares. He's got the highest octane offense in the league. And let's not forget that Kareem Hunt in 2017 a rookie for the Chiefs, of course, finished RB4 in PPR that season. So if CEH can stay healthy himself, I think there's no no reason he shouldn't be a top 10 running back. And because of the upside and because running backs are going so quickly this year in fantasy drafts, I do trust him. It would be tough for me to pull the trigger with him over, let's say, a Joe Mixon, Kenyon Drake, Nick Chubb, Josh Jacobs potentially. But if I'm in a full PPR league, which I play primarily in, I will be drafting CEH in the first round. So I agree, but my concern about Clyde Edwards Hilaire is purely that, you know, we saw last year how much the Chiefs like to pass the ball. And I think he'll have a very similar role to what Damian Williams did last year. And I wouldn't have taken Damian Williams in the first round of my draft last year. So that's the only thing I'm worried about is how that offense is schemed. You know, I obviously think Damian Williams is very good. I agree with you. He probably should have won Super Bowl MVP last year. But I'm just worried about how Andy Reid is going to actually use him in terms of touches and everything with all those weapons on that offense and having Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback who can really put the ball anywhere on the field at any point. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, if he, uh, There are guys, if I'm sitting at like the 8 pick or the 7 pick, I don't. I, I, I'm probably going to take a running back just purely because of the receiver depth in this year's draft. And there's not a lot of running back depth at all, especially with all these teams now running a two quarter, two running back system, you know, between the Ravens and the the Colts, you know, that takes out Marlon Mack. And I think Mark Ingram as reliable fantasy starting running backs that I would feel comfortable having on my team. So I don't really know. What do you, what do you think about those two headed monsters on both the Ravens and the Colts when it comes to fantasy? Oh, I think they're both great. And I wouldn't mind drafting Ingram and Dobbins or Taylor and Marlon Mack, to be honest with you. It, it, it's not going to feel good on draft day. You're going to have some smack talk in your draft rooms, I guarantee you, if you do that, because you basically have to spend, you know, in most drafts, you have to spend a third or a fourth rounder on Taylor and a sixth or seventh rounder on Mac. You have to spend a fifth or sixth rounder on Ingram and then an eighth or a ninth on Dobbins. So you're getting better value with the Ravens, although you might get more production overall with the Colts, best offensive line in fan, you know, in football um and i think you know with with rivers coming in there i think that they're going to have to rely on the run to build that play action in baltimore they're a machine of course but you also have lamar jackson the quarterback himself rushing for over a thousand yards you know philip rivers is not rushing for any positive yardage so i'm not worried about that naheem hines has a built-in role gus edwards has a built-in role so those guys are fine i do think that both taylor and dobbins end up being the top guy by week four, maybe six, Taylor before Dobbins, unless Ingram gets hurt. But I do think both rookies end the season as the better running back in those backfields. Marlon Mack has been my guy since, you know, uh, the last couple of years now I've loved him. I think I've had him on my team every single year. And now I just don't, I don't know if I'll end up taking him unless I get the chance to take him and Taylor. I don't think I would just take one or the other because I don't want, if I want, but I want, if I'm taking two backs, I want, you know, I want that entire backfield's points i don't just want one half of them so unless i'm taking both of them i don't think i'm going to take either of them um sure yeah so we're if we're talking fantasy we have to bring up the topic of sleepers every year everybody thinks that they got the top sleeper pick in the draft and 85 percent of the time they're always wrong so 
But then there's always that 15% of the time. Like I had last year with Austin Eckler. I took him in every single one of my drafts. I well was done. like, this guy, this guy's going to be amazing. There's no, and then I took uh, two years ago, I took Camaro with the second overall pick, which he was supposed to go like seven. And uh, everyone thought I was crazy. There was a lot of smack talk that I passed. Uh, David Johnson didn't even go one that year in my draft. Uh, someone else did. And then I passed on David Johnson also to take Camara. And then he put up 40 points in the first week. And everyone was like, oh, okay, well, well, well <laughs> maybe, maybe we should listen to this guy. You know, the 15% of the time, you can really hit the jackpot. Who are your top sleeper picks this year? And why do you think these players have the chance to hit big this season? Yeah, I've got a number in each position. I'll try to blaze through them here for sake of time. But I do have quite a few players that I want to rattle off. Because I think where people get in trouble is they pick one player per position and they ride that guy. And then they end up picking that person in all of their drafts because they're sleepers. So they're in the later part of your draft or whatever. You put all your eggs in one basket. If that player flops, get injured, whatever – you end up kind of losing that argument. You don't get that value. So what I've done is I really have kind of a, a bracket of um, sleepers that I like to kind of have, and I have them kind of ordered and ranked and targeted. And if I can get my first guy, sweet. If I don't, I get my second, third, my fourth, whatever. So I'll blaze through really quick. I got right, we, we got, we got time. We got time. Wow. Beautiful wide receivers and tight ends. So at the quarterback position. So he, first of all, I think we should clear up what uh, a sleeper is, right? So I think there's a lot of people like okay, so. For example, your pick of Kamara, which I drafted him as my third Saints running back in 2017 as a rookie. I drafted Mark Ingram in the, in the third round. I drafted Adrian Peterson in the eighth round. And I drafted Alvin Kamara all on the Saints in the 10th round just because I was like, hey, you know, both these guys are kind of older. If one of them gets injured, this kid from Tennessee looks pretty good. He actually started at Alabama, which I think nobody realizes, but he wasn't going to play, so he bailed. So the talent is there. So I was like, eh, this kid might work out. So I drafted him. Sure enough, by week four, week six, he was Alvin Kamara. The rest is history. But I think what's important is a sleeper, in my opinion, and I'd like to get your feedback on this as well. This is a draft pick in the 10th round or later. Now, of course, if you play if you play shorter leagues, like shorter benches, and you only have maybe you know 12 rounds or something, then maybe you bump that up to an eighth round pick or, or better. But most, most drafts are... 14, 15, 16 rounds, depending on how you play with flexes and super flex and multiple wide receivers or running backs and all that. So I do consider these players, my sleepers are not eligible until the 10th round plus. So that A means I'm not drafting these guys before the 10th round, but also means once I hit the 10th round, these are some of my main targets. If the top guys haven't fallen a little bit further down, right? If there's somebody like a terrible example, but off the cuff, I guess like Mark Ingram, for example, if people are really worried about Mark Ingram or Marlon Mack, let's take it because of the rookies and they're falling and falling and falling. If those guys end up in the ninth, 10th round, obviously I'm stealing those guys, but if they're not available, then I'm looking further down my list. So before I get into it, how do you feel about sleepers? And do you kind of set a gauge yourself uh, of where sleepers actually are? Or if you see a guy in the later rounds, you make sure to kind of maybe reach a round or two uh, to make sure you get that guy. Right. So, you know, I completely agree with you. I think a lot of people uh, misinterpret what a sleeper is. I think when people, when you're taking a guy in the fourth round and you're like, this guy's going to blow up, he's my sleeper pick. That's not your sleeper pick. That's your RB too. Like that's not, (laughs) not going to be like, that's not a sleeper. I agree. If you're playing 16 teams yet, 16 spots, 10 or later, uh, I usually do a 12, uh, 12 roster spots. So eight or later, I got Eckler in the eighth. That's kind of my example of, you know, Eckler was a guy, no one really knew what was going to happen with Melvin Gordon last year. So I, 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 I completely whiffed on Devin Singletary and David Montgomery last year. I mean, Singletary did fine, but, you know, he didn't get a lot of red zone touches, so that didn't help. Same thing with um, Montgomery. He didn't really produce. I was really confident in him. I said that earlier in the show. Kind of disappointing. I don't really know what's going to happen this year. I'm probably not going to take him again. But maybe a guy like Tariq Cohen, you know, if, if this David Montgomery thing really doesn't pan out, Tariq Cohen's going to get most of the staff, and especially in a PPR format, he really gets a lot of those passing downs also. So no, but yeah, I completely agree with you with uh with where how people misinterpret sleeper picks. Yeah, likewise, and and I think that's important also to realize that you know uh, you know if you're picking a running back, let's say J.K. Dobbins. Okay, I love J.K. Dobbins. Again, I think eventually he will be Mark Ingram and then some for the Ravens. So if you can get him in a keeper league or dynasty, yeah, I think you're set for a few years. To be honest with you, this year in redraft though, again, like Mark Ingram is still the man. He is 31, but he's getting it done. 15 touchdowns last year, 10 rushing, five receiving. He's going to be just fine. So until he gets injured, Dobbins, I think is going to be, uh, you know, second, second, third fiddle, maybe even with Gus Edwards. But you have to play pay a draft capital of latest, maybe the eighth or ninth round. So again, for me. 
while I'm excited about him, I think he could do work late. He's not a sleeper per se because I have to get him a little bit deeper in my drafts. So I think that's an important uh, important point you bring up there. All right, I'll jump into my quarterbacks here. And again, I've got three or four or five guys per uh, position that I want to just kind Absolutely. of throw out to your listeners. And that way, you know, if one of these guys isn't available, people can jot these down and take a look at other people. So at the quarterback position, again, this is round 10 or later for each of these positions. At the quarterback position, I have Matt Stafford, Cam Newton, Big Ben, and Garner Minshew. So Matt Stafford was on pace last year to be the QB two in fantasy points per game before he got hurt in week nine. Obviously he's got Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones comes back. They draft DeAndre Swift, who is sneaky out of the pass game. Carry on Johnson is healthy ish. He'll be good enough. I think for six games, Yeah. TJ Hawkinson should have a nice second year there. They also have Quintez Cephas who's kind of flying under the radar is like the next Amendola. Once Amendola passes on and Amendola really isn't, isn't great for fantasy football at this point of his career without Brady and things. However, he's kind of a PPR machine a little bit. So I think like Stafford's going to have plenty of weapons. They're going to be able to move the ball. That defense is horrendous uh, in my opinion with Slay going to Philadelphia and everything else. So I think Matt Stafford, if he can stay healthy, guy was playing with a fractured back for two years. I mean, he'll be just fine moving forward. So I think Matt Stafford is my first sleeper at the quarterback position. Next up, Cam Newton. I heard you talking at the beginning of the, uh, of the program for Cam Newton. Nobody really knows. And I think it's, you know, this is not somebody that I'm targeting per se. But if if I don't have a quarterback and I am somebody that punts the quarterback position in fantasy drafts, which a lot of people now do the late round QB strategy kind of made popular and fame, popular and famous by my boy JJ Zacharyson, who, who I love and I think is fantastic. But I think people are getting a little overzealous with, not drafting, not drafting, not drafting, and then going, uh-oh, it's the it's the 12th, 13th round. I've got three rounds left, and I need a quarterback. I, I need to take Mitch Trubisky in the 13th round because I don't have a quarterback. Yeah, I, I've been going – I've been doing – every year, I, I always rely very heavily on my quarterback. Last year, my draft strategy was very interesting. I went – I want I want to get your read on this because uh, a lot of people didn't like it. I went Michael Thomas in the first, and then I ended up getting Devontae Adams on the wraparound. And then I went, I went Russell Wilson, and I, I Russell Wilson's been my fantasy guy. And then I Andrew Luck obviously was my fantasy guy before. Uh, I'm happy we drafted after he retired because I absolutely would have taken him as my quarterback, and I wouldn't have come in second in my league. But yeah, so continue with continue because I, I completely agree with you on Cam Newton. Yeah, and I, and and Russell isn't a sleeper by any means, but I think oh, no, he is a not. he's a very uh, sneaky and potential dark horse in that top six, top four of uh, Mahomes, Lamar, Kyler, Dak, Watson, and, and Wilson. Of course, I think as much as Dak has the potential to be the number one overall, I think Russell Wilson does as well. Love me some DK Metcalf, but I guess that's a, a conversation for another time. Cam Newton. Uh, QB six on average when healthy over his career. All right. So we know what he can do. I don't believe that he's going to be running the ball like we're used to. He also was pretty much a horrendous passer. I think it's safe to say that for the last two seasons because his shoulder and his elbow was out, which threw off his mechanics and he was just straight up bad. He was okay for fantasy because he made it up for his legs. And we know that's kind of a cheat code in fantasy football, but in this system, I don't – like Josh McDaniels isn't going to be playing around, all right? If Cam looks bad or he's playing bad, they have other options. Brian Horrier's not sexy, but he can get it done. And Jared Stidham, also, we don't know what's up with Jared Stidham, but they kind of – before Cam Newton was an option, Jared Stidham was the heir apparent for Tom Brady for the last two years, right? So they have other options. They do not have to ride Cam Newton like the Panthers did for a few years when he got concussions, when he had rib injuries, when he got basically knocked out of the game and he was forced back in because they didn't have another reliable option. The Patriots don't play that. So if Cam Newton is struggling, I think that they will look other ways and maybe use him in a platoon, I suppose. Again, I know you brought this up at the the top of the episode. I'm not really into the platoon option. I just – it's not a Taysom Hill, Drew Brees thing, but they could potentially bring in Stidham for like later, later game stuff if the game's wrapped up either way, or end of the half if the game if it's wrapped up or something to give Cam Newton maybe a, a few less reps. So Cam Newton's kind of a guy that I'm just kind of like, eh. If I've got, let's say, I've got a Mahomes or Lamar or a Wilson or a Kyler Dak, and I've got one of those top guys that I go for early, Cam might be a nice late round pick. And he may not last this long when drafts actually happen to come up in the next couple of weeks because of the name. But if he does fall, he's a kind of a like a, hey, I'm not going to use him over any of those quarterbacks anyway. But if he's actually killing it and he is Cam Newton for the first four to five, six weeks, all of a sudden I've got a top 10 quarterback sitting on my bench I can use for bye weeks or 
you know, obviously heaven forbid anybody gets injured, but if somebody goes down at that top, you have somebody that can immediately replace them. Next up, I have Big Ben here. Big Ben was QB2 in 2018 before going down. Of course, that was with Antonio Brown, with Juju Schmitz-Schuster at the number two. He had 5,000-plus yards. He was actually leading Mahomes that year when Mahomes had his 55 and 5,000. Big Ben, again, kind of like Cam Newton, man. We've seen it for years and years and years. We know what is possible, but technically nobody's ever come back from this particular surgery that Big Ben suffered, or I said – I guess I should say injury that he suffered and surgery that he had over the off season. So I believe in big Ben. I think he's going to be just fine. I love Juju, especially playing out of the slot this year. He's also going to be, you know, getting mismatches with those nickel cornerbacks and linebackers. Juju's going to just play with them. No problem. I'm not worried about that. Deontay Johnson, a little bit hobbled up in the preseason, but if he gets healthy, I think he's fine. One of the most hyped late round wide receivers in fantasy football. And then of course, James Washington, they bring a, uh, Chase Claypool as well from Notre Dame, who's kind of a big wide receiver, hybrid tight end. They have Eric Ebron as well. James Conner, who I think is up for a big bounce back season, at least while he's healthy, a number of other running backs. I think Big Ben is going to be just fine. And if he's healthy, the Steelers are going to be chucking it. Last, I have Garner Minshew, who I know is fun with the jorts and the mustache. But if you actually watch this guy on the field, he is very capable of, I think, being a QB1 in this league for fantasy. He has a sneaky rushing floor and he had a better per game season last year than Kyler Murray with a 21 to six touchdown to interception ratio compared to Kyler Murray's that was 20 and 12. So I'm not saying that Garner Minshew is Kyler Murray or better than Kyler Murray. I'm just saying that for fantasy purposes with a sneaky rushing floor and the Jags defense, again, you mentioned losing Yannick Ngakwe here this morning with another piece gone from that once terrifying defense in 2017 for the Jags, all of a sudden they're going to be playing from behind constantly. And I think it's going to have no choice, but for Garner Minshew to be chucking it. I also like uh, uh, Leonard Fournette, but Leonard Fournette, unfortunately is kind of game script dependent. a la maybe Marshawn Lynch for a handful of years. So once they get down two scores, it's going to be DJ Chark all day long. And I think uh, Garner Minshew could be sneaky as well. All of these quarterbacks going 10th, 12th round, maybe undrafted, depending on how your team goes in a single quarterback league. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So any guys, you know, at running back, one of the guys that, you know, I, I mentioned him a lot. People don't really agree with me on him. A lot of people different. Antonio Gibson, who is, you know, we don't really know what the deal with that Washington football team backfield is. You know, they have Adrian Peterson. I, I think his name is Bryce Love. They have uh, Antonio Gibson. I don't really know what the deal is. Have you heard anything about maybe who that starter will be or are any of those guys going to be reliable with the amount of touches with, I mean, they're probably going to split a lot of touches. So yeah. what, what do you think about Antonio Gibson this year? I do think they're going to split a lot of touches because I think the first question in Washington is who's the quarterback, you know, my man, Alex Smith coming back from the most horrendous oh, yeah. injury in sports, potentially for somebody to return from, he's already the, the comeback player of the year, in my opinion, whether he plays a snap or just, not, just give it to him already. Just give it to him. But that that's another, that's another conversation I've been saying on my podcast for a couple uh, since he got drafted uh, last year, that Dwayne Haskins, I think is basically just Jameis Winston 2.0. Now in fantasy circles, that's like, wow, 5,000 yards, 30 touchdowns. But what I mean is I don't think he's that great of a quarterback. I know he threw 50 touchdowns at Ohio State. College in the NFL is not the same. Different Definitely conversation. Not. I don't think he's that great of a quarterback to put the team on his back and lead the team. Alex Smith has never been a super high um, profile quarterback, a super high producing quarterback. However, after I mean, as you can tell in the back, I'm a, I'm a Niner fan. Grew up yeah. uh, right down the street, and we are the Candlestick Kids. I'm the host of the Candlestick Kids from the Niners football stadium uh, back in the day. But I, I dealt with the 10 years of Alex Smith, and it was horrendous at the time. But when I break it down, he had eight offensive coordinators in 10 years, which nobody can come back from, right? He goes to Kansas City. All of a sudden, Andy Reid gets a hold of him, and Alex Smith goes from a laughing stock at the quarterback position for a decade to borderline an MVP because he had the right options. I really believe in um, – uh, Rivera over there in Washington now. Obviously, uh, wish him the best with his his new uh, uh, cancer diagnosis, unfortunately. But I think that they have a, a good opportunity. I'm worried about the running backs because you do have AP, who's not going to go anywhere until he decides he wants to go anywhere. Still effective. He ran for 1,000 yards last year on accident. He's still effective. He's still going to be the short yardage guy. Bryce Love, who is finally coming back and healthy, let's not forget, he was kind of the, the next of kin to Christian McCaffrey at Stanford. 
Bryce Love can play. He came in, got injured, didn't get a chance last year, but dude is legit. Obviously, Darius Geis is out. We're not going to talk about his situation, but they also have Peyton Barber, who is, again, not flashy, but got it done in Tampa Bay-ish, and they have J.D. McKissick as well. So there's so many options in Washington that Antonio Gates, Antonio Gates, Antonio Gibson is maybe the fun option. He's the guy that like people are like, oh man, he could be like maybe a Camara, if you will, like third on the depth chart could rise from the ashes and make it happen. But I don't think that's going to happen until week four to six. And to be honest with you, I have a list of other guys here that I would rather have. And Antonio Gibson, to credit, is in that kind of handcuff conversation, which is one of my strategies here. So I have two other guys I want to bring up really quick, but in general, it's the handcuffs. I mentioned at the top of the episode that one of my strategies this year with COVID, it is so important that you have extra handcuffs. And for anybody new to fantasy football, a handcuff at any position, but primarily running back, a handcuff is basically that next guy who is guaranteed to be the next one after him. So some great handcuffs over the last couple of years, right? Tony Pollard in Dallas in case Zeke goes down. We see him be very productive when he gets a break. Alexander Madison for Dalvin Cook, Latavius Murray for Alvin Kamara, yada, yada. So Madison, Pollard, Murray, Chase Edmonds in Arizona, uh, Lil Bug, uh, Anthony McFarland Jr. for the Steelers in case um, James Conner goes down, et cetera. And, of course, Antonio Gibson is that in that mix. Two guys I would rather target, though, if I'm in the later rounds, and handcuffs are great, and these guys are handcuffs, but the two specifically I want to target are A.J. Dillon and Joshua Kelly. And A.J. Dillon, of course, I mean, just kind of like – finally came on the scene because right. he, he gave his say quads picture on Twitter. Yes. People yeah. say but let's be real, man. This dude is basically, I mean, he was comped as Derrick Henry coming out of Boston college, green Bay Packers fans. And again, you can see behind me, I'm a big Tay Adams fan. I'm not a, not a Packer hater at all. I was a big Brett Favre guy as a kid growing up in the nineties. So they're kind of my other Niners team, if you will. Um, it, a lot of people were upset because Aaron Jones is supposed to be Aaron Jones, the running back two again this year. Don't think it's going to happen, but they bring in AJ Dillon this year, who I think is going to take away some of this uh, goal line work. So he's a guy that could be the Camara truly. If uh, Jones or Williams goes down, AJ Dillon is the truth there. Next up, Joshua Kelly, third on the depth chart as well. Again, another Camara situation. Love Justin Jackson, love Austin Eckler, obviously, but if one of those guys go down, Neither one of those guys is the goal line back, the short yardage back that Joshua Kelly can be coming out of UCLA. So I like both of those guys over the other handcuffs, but any of the other handcuffs I think are great as far as late round sleepers for running back. Absolutely. So you mentioned before about Dak Prescott possibly finishing this year as the as the QB one. I really like Dak Prescott purely because of all the weapons he has at receiver, mm-hmm. but all those weapons don't necessarily mean reliable fantasy options mm-hmm. because he might spread the wealth around that receiver spot. Would you take a chance on really any of these Cowboys receivers this year with all the weapons that they have on that team? Yeah, 100%. And my guy is Michael Gallup. Last year it was Michael Gallup. Um, I... I don't dislike Amari Cooper. I'm just a little bit concerned about the inconsistency. I know that Amari Cooper's good for like 12 catches and 200 yards and three touchdowns for one game this season. That's going to be awesome in best ball. I don't want to bank on that coming into the season. So my guy is Michael Gallup. He outpaced Amari Cooper last year in nearly every category, and he played two less games. He's also going four rounds after Amari Cooper. I think the biggest thing to realize in fantasy football every season, not just this year, is you're always looking for adequate value. In my opinion, I think that Michael Gallup, with the same amount of targets, the same amount of looks and everything else, if Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup get the same exact looks and numbers, like targets at least, I think Michael Gallup straight up has a better season than Amari Cooper. Because I think that I'm going to take the value on Michael Gallup in the seventh round and pass on Amari Cooper in the third round. Love CeeDee Lamb long-term once Amari Cooper leaves next year, but I'm going to pass on CeeDee Lamb for this year just because I think, again, there's too many other receivers who have the rapport already. So in Dallas, Michael Gallup's my guy. Yeah, I mean, I'm a Jets fan. When the Jets were looking to trade Jamal Adams, I I wanted them to look at the Cowboys, and I really wanted them to maybe get Michael Gallup in that trade because he's a guy – I really like Michael Gallup. I had him on my team uh, last year just in case because I expected him to kind of blow up – Michael Gallup, he really goes under the radar. A lot of people like don't even know who he is mm-hmm. because you know all the focus is on Amari Cooper and then now C.D. Lamb. It, I I really wouldn't feel comfortable taking C.D. Lamb this year, or maybe Jerry Judy, but uh, I, I I'll I'll see with him depending on where I can get him. But you know, you mentioned 
uh, how do you think Dwayne Haskins could be the next Jameis Winston? Jameis Winston no longer a Buccaneer. Now Tom Brady taking over that helm. With all those weapons, do you think Tom Brady can finish as a top 10 fantasy quarterback? Yeah, I, I do. I do. Uh, we've seen it for many years. Obviously, the last couple of years in, in uh, New England, he hasn't had much help. Um, even when he had Gronkowski still, Gronk was kind of at the end of his rope, forcing him into retirement. Obviously, he comes out and joins Tom in Tampa Bay now, but basically it was Julian Edelman down the stretch. Antonio Brown didn't work out. Josh Gordon didn't work out. Nikhil Harry got hurt last year. They've had a lot of deep threats that just haven't panned out over the last couple of seasons, and that has really hurt Tom Brady overall. I'm not excited to draft him per se, but I am absolutely willing to have him as one of my backup quarterbacks, later round quarterbacks in my leagues. And again, if I get one of those top end guys we've talked about that you're going to ride every week anyway, Tom Brady is a perfect, I mean, you know, he's going to blow up at home. You know, he's going to blow up against bad teams. Unfortunately for you, you know, he's going to blow up against the jets. He's going to blow up against the dolphins and bills like he does every year. Right. So in those particular games, I think you can start him as a streamer, but I don't want him necessarily. Yeah. Don't want him necessarily every single week. Um, I we'll see. I do think that um, Tom can can uh, not be Jameis Winston with five thousand yards and three and thirty touchdowns, but he's going to be much more efficient. And I think that's going to lead to more scoring drives for the Buccaneers. Obviously, he's got, in my opinion, the most. Um, staunch weapons he's ever had in his career with Godwin and Evans. So I think he's going to be fantastic. Also, I think the big knock on Brady now is just like all of a sudden because he's older, he can't throw deep. That's not true. All right. He had, he was 16th in deep pass attempts, which is 20 yards or, or more. So middle of the pack. So he didn't really get many opportunities and he was seventh overall in deep ball completion percentage with no deep threats. So you get Mike Evans, who's one of the best contested catch uh, wide receivers in the league. Chris Godwin, obviously Gronkowski, OJ Howard, um, and uh, and Cameron Brate as well out of the tight end position. So I think Tom Brady is going to be just fine. And honestly, if he was top 10, I don't think it would surprise anybody. If he was QB 18, I don't think it would surprise anybody. He's one of the backups that I'm targeting in drafts. Yeah, and the reason I think that he could definitely blow up in the passing game, especially in fantasy, is because, you know, the running backs in Tampa Bay, they're all right. Ronald Jones, I think, is all right. They have a few guys. They'll be all right, but they have insane receivers. And they have, I mean, tight tight end. They have three guys who, in the red zone at least, could definitely be threats between. I don't know what I'm not drafting Gronk, but mm-hmm. you know, OJ Howard and Cameron Bay and Gronk could all. They're just all reliable options when it comes to actual football, and in the red zone. And those points go to Brady anyway. So absolutely, we'll see. So yeah, I'm I'm I'd feel comfortable drafting Tom Brady. I mean, there he's going against some good defenses. I mean, the Saints defense is pretty good, but then he's also going against bad defenses. Like he's going to destroy the Panthers. I'm going to feel mm-hmm. bad for them when he plays against them, and I think he'll destroy the Falcons too mm-hmm. because those he's going to play them twice a year each. Mm-hmm. And I think at least one of the times he plays the Saints, I think they could definitely beat the Saints. Probably the second time they play them, I think they might get off to a slow start, only because it's a kind of a new system and without you know any preseason. They open up. I think they open up against the Saints yep, in in New Orleans. So there's no way that uh, I, I just think there's any way that Tampa Bay is going to take down New Orleans. And then everyone's going to overreact. Be like, told everyone, the, the, all those people that were like, Tom Brady's not a good fit in Tampa Bay are going to be like, we told you, Tom Brady's not a good fit in Tampa Bay, and then he's going to finish the year probably as a Pro Bowler, if I were to guess. Sure. But, I mean, kind of, kind of. I've been saying it like Kirk Cousins did. How his weapons around him, how he had Thielen and Diggs, made him look a lot better than he actually was, and. I think that could something very similar could happen with Brady this year. So, Absolutely. you know, another situation that I'm kind of monitoring as a backup, you know, Baker Mayfield last year. I mean, we saw him in his rookie year came out. He shocked a lot of people. And then last year came out and disappointed a whole lot of people. Also, he was going very early. Like, I mm-hmm. think people were taking him in like the third round last year. Uh, there were people who were very high on Baker Mayfield. And then he highly disappointed. Do you think Baker Mayfield can bounce back from last year and be a reliable fantasy quarterback after a disappointing season? I do, but kind of like Brady, I'm not excited to draft him per se. I was one of the guys driving the Baker train for sure. Um, I had him as my QB six preseason. I drafted him in a number of leagues in about the fourth, fifth round, which is too early to draft a non Lamar or Mahomes quarterback in my opinion. Uh, But this year, you know, Landry is already banged up. He had that core issue and he had a, you know, kind of a cleanup recently and not really sure that's going to work out. I want to believe in Odell Beckham. I love Odell Beckham as a player and a talent, but again, he didn't quite make it happen last year. He was also injured. He's coming back off of a surgery. So I want to see it in Cleveland before I fully commit. He definitely has um, the potential to bounce back from a rough 2019. In 2018, as a rookie, came out Heisman Trophy winner, yada, yada, all the hype. He came out and he actually set the rookie record for passing touchdowns, passing up 
Peyton Manning of all people, right? So the talent is there. I do think what helps Baker Mayfield tremendously is that last year there was all this hype. People were talking about the Browns in the Super Bowl after they hadn't won a playoff game in like 70 years or something. I think the issue was all of those guys on that team, not all of them, but Baker, Landry, um, Odell, of course, have huge egos. And I think when the yeah. media started talking like, oh, man, they have Odell Beckham now, new unis, Baker Mayfield coming off of like a rookie of the year, like incredible hype coming up from this team. They all bought into it as well. So instead of going to work and proving everybody right, they kind of were just like, well, you know, it'll happen because people are saying it will. They got punched in the mouth. And I think that it really is going to sober them up a little bit and going to humble them quite a bit to come out and actually prove something. Because technically, none of those guys have actually won anything, right? They got a lot of pedigree, but nobody's actually won anything. So now that they get Kevin, Stefan Kevin Stefanski who came in, and he was great for this offense, I think. You know, they're going to run first, obviously, with Chubb and Hunt. But I think they're going to work off the play action, take the pressure off of Baker Mayfield and – Baker's kind of a sneaky, like top 12 pick as well. If he can minimize the turnovers, minimize um, the, the mistakes and the sacks, he could do work with the talent and the weapons around him. I'm just a little bit concerned this year. They bring in Austin Hooper too, who I think will help from Atlanta, but um, I'm not excited to draft him this year, but I'll tell you what, if he turns it around this next year uh, or this year, I will be excited next year. So, I mean, yeah, that was my problem with the Browns last year was the egos there. I mean, there's so much personality on that team. And then they hire Freddie Kitchens of all people who had never had a head, <laughs> never even had a coordinator job in his life. And you expect him to handle Baker Mayfield, who uh, he did an interview. Uh, I, I rewatched it a few days ago with Colin Coward, where he just like the he, he does a lot where he's he's he, he's very into himself. Yeah. Odell. We obviously know about Odell. We know about Jarvis Landry. Freddie Kitchens is not the guy to handle that. I think that Kevin Stefanski should be able to handle that a lot better, kind of make it a more uh, of a machine than it, I, the Browns kind of felt like, like a, a, they were freelancing on offense. Like they just kind of figured it out. They would hand it off to Chubb. Sometimes he would go 92 yards for a touchdown mm -hmm. or they would give it to Odell on, on that slant against the Jets where he took it. However many yards mm -hmm. I, I, I believe I, I mean, once again, there people are talking about the Browns in the Super Bowl with all with, as people always are now with Baker, but mm. I'm not the biggest believer in Baker only because uh, I think I need to see one more solid year out of him to show that he wasn't just a one hit wonder. Uh, but maybe next year, I mean, if, if, if he's really just sitting there and I don't have a quarterback and it's a late round, maybe I'll take a chance on him. Mm -hmm. But I mean, that's really, it's, it, it would come down to an emergency on draft day. So my he's final question. Yeah. Yeah. My final question for you is this sky. I've heard a bunch of different opinions on this. You're sitting at the number one overall pick in this year's draft. Are you taking Christian McCaffrey or do you have another guy that you want to take instead? All right. So I'll make this easy. I'm not going to do hot take stuff. It is Christian McCaffrey. Yes. Okay. I'm taking Christian McCaffrey. I'm taking Christian McCaffrey in every single opportunity at the one-on-one except potentially super flex leagues with bonuses. So if I'm looking at a rush bonus, like a four-point quarterback touchdowns, I'm looking at Lamar at 101. If I'm looking at six-point quarterback touchdown league in a super flex, I'm taking Mahomes 101. After that, though, I'm taking Christian McCaffrey immediately at what, the number two or three? And any other league format, standard, half PPR, best ball, uh, uh, PPR, obviously, uh, I'm taking Christian McCaffrey 101. I will say this, though. My number two running back is Alvin Kamara. It's not Saquon Barkley. It's not Zeke Elliott. It's Alvin Kamara in full PPR and half in, in uh, standard. You're going to have different conversations, but a full PPR, my number two guy is Alvin Kamara. And I think he is the one potentially who could take over that number one at the end of the season. But just to let you know how dominant Christian McCaffrey was last year, not just the running back number one, he was the running back number one significantly. I'll run off a quick stat and we'll get out of here. I know we're quick on time. Christian McCaffrey scored 182 and a half half PPR points through the air alone. Okay. So basically Christian McCaffrey was the wide receiver 20 last year in passing alone ahead of Stefan Diggs. If Christian McCaffrey simply stopped playing football in week 12, he still would have finished as the number one running back by 22 PPR points. Right. So there's a slim chance that he doesn't finish as the running back. Number one, most likely will, if they continue to use him in Carolina as they have been, but you have to draft him there. I mean, if you if you pass on like you passed on David Johnson a few years ago, right? Great call, and it worked out. But I'll tell you right now, if you pass not on David it Johnson, it's not working out this year. 
if you pass on David Johnson and he was David Johnson from 2016 and he was number one again, you would have been kicking yourself for a whole season. Yeah. If McCaffrey blows up in your face, it happens. But you don't want to get burned by passing on him for some reason and getting cute and have him being Christian McCaffrey. So Alvin Kamara is my number two. And then uh, Saquon and then Zeke for my top four PPR. But um, CMC is in a league of his own. Yeah, absolutely. So basically, Christian McCaffrey is just ridiculous and take him everywhere you can because, I mean, I, I agree. I, I think if as long as they use him as they have, he could finish as the RB1 again, especially in PPR formats because they put him at receiver, they put him at running back, they line him up all over. And now I think he'll be utilized a lot more in the passing game with Teddy Bridgewater. They have a reliable quarterback, mm-hmm. or at least somewhat liable. And they're he's not – listen, he's not Mahomes. They're going to utilize the run. They're still going to utilize the run, and McCaffrey is a reliable guy there. Sky – Thank you so much for joining me today. Go ahead, promote yourself. Tell us where we can find you. Thank you so much, Jacob. It's really a pleasure to be on here. I would love to have you on my podcast as well. That, folks, I'm actually part of the Landry football team also. So you can catch our podcast, the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast, Monday through Thursdays on LandryFootball.com. That's twitch.com. TV slash Chris Landry football. That's Monday through Thursday, 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern time. We are the one-stop shop for fantasy football. Come and check us out. You can catch everything at tckpod.com, Instagram, fantasy football underscore tckpod, on Twitter at tck underscore pod. We've got a draft guide. We've got a listener league. Come and hang out with us. We have a lot of fun. Jacob, it's always a pleasure, man. Appreciate you. Absolutely. Just let me know when you want me. I'll be available. I'll be available. Thank you so much. All right. And with that, we are going to wrap today from the Hard Count Football Podcast live. My name is Jacob Charno, and thank you so much, everyone, for joining me today. And be sure to go follow me on Twitter at Jacob Charno, Instagram at Hard Count Football, and here on Twitch with Chris Landry Football. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to subscribe to Hard Count Football. Join me next Sunday for more exclusive interviews and talk about the top headlines in football. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.